0: Hello
1: and welcome to Tales of the Uncharted Territories. Territories! See, it's more fun when we can hear it as well, so we're going to make that the new, the sort of intro. And it might get a little bit confusing because we use it in Maybe. the middle of... Maybe, we'll see. But like, mid-episode, mid that's the one we almost always forget anyway. True. So it's the, it's the most... Hello everyone, I'm Kaki. I'm Kay. Uh, and we're going to uh, read you something special today because this oh. is... Yes. Normally where we read fan fiction... Um, yes. But we've been given something rather cool by a, a listener of ours, oh, hoofbird of our mutual acquaintance. Yes. Let me grab it here.
0: Oh, my. Yes. So, ooh, what I have here just been handed is a Farsi, Farscape Dark Side of the Sun book. It looks like a novel, based, uh, an all-new adventure based on the hit TV series created by Rockne S. O'Bannon, written by Andrew Diamond.
1: It's uh, uh, one of the rare Farscape tie-in novels. Yeah. Uh, where I oh, I just realised that. Yeah, I haven't really read the note yet. He put a oh. handy little. All right, so
0: there's a, there's a card in the book, uh, and it's got a bird on it. I'm not sure what kind of bird, but it is says
1: effing birds. I think F, it's from effing. It looks birds. like
0: it. It looked like yeah. So that's a crazy <laughs> idea. Insane. It doesn't make sense. You'll do it. Of course, I replied. Oh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Very on brand.
0: Ah, And inside the card reads, keep up the great work, you two. You've made a lot of work days and drives go by so much faster. Enjoy. Oh. Signed, Hirstbert. Oh, that's Thank you lovely. so much. That is fantastic. This is a gorgeous book. So let me describe it a little bit. We've uh, got yes. the cover. Uh, we have a prominent front and center. We have Chana lit out in a bit of a uh, sepia light, whereas... Um, Further back in blue, of course, there's gorgeous Zahn and in red, oh. Dargo, standing there looking menacingly at his quarterblade. Um, <laughs> so, yes, Dark Side of the Sun, a weekly jolt of imagination overloads, as said by the New York Times.
1: I imagine that's about the series and not so much about this particular well be. book. Yeah. I mean, obviously, we're not reading the whole thing, but I thought we could like read the prologue and the first chapter together. Yes,
0: that sounds like a fant- fantastic idea. So, yes, we have like a little picture of Moya on the back, published by Tall Books. No surprise there.
1: <laughs> yeah, it says, okay, lost and alone in an uncharted region of space, American astronaut John Crichton has found refuge of a sort aboard Moya, a living starship sheltering a fractious band of bizarre alien beings. That's a really great summary. But now Moya is dying of pernicious infection and the only cure in like years belongs to the leader of a vicious band of space pirates. Crichton and his mismatched companions must strike a bar- bargain with the dreaded free trader Jans, or else perish along with their vessel. An already perilous situation escalates to open warfare when Ryder the Sixteenth, deposed ruler of a vast interstellar empire, discovers that his long-lost love is being held captive by the pirates. Oh well, no! Whoa! That's a long. I mean, are, are we already
0: doing this? I mean, this sounds like you're already doing it. No, this is the back cover. I, I know. I know. I'm just joking. you can read this. I know. I'm joking.
1: Okay. <laughs> I just got so engrossed; it was hard to tell from your puckish face. Ah, uh, okay, okay. Will Rigel let his own pride and passion place Crichton, Aaron, and the others in mortal jeopardy? Yes, of course it will. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we can read this together. Uh, you've got the book over there. I've made uh, I've made photographs, but it was kind of tricky to do that with a paperback and okay. one handed. Yeah. So sometimes, like the t- the first two lines on the left side are kind of missing or obscure. Okay. So, while we can continue our usual tradition of reading a paragraph each, I definitely need you to do the top left lines of every page, regardless of where we fall in a sentence. Oh, okay. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, try, I'll see if I can do that. This,
0: this might make for some amusing uh, mid-sentence changes. In uh...
1: Let's find that. Let's It'll be a fun sort of this. literary experiment. Yes. We start off with a
0: prologue. Though. Yes. So, uh, Dark Side of the Sun by Andrew Dism- Diamond. Prologue. Ree's collective mind reached out, probing and exploring, ranging through the depths of its aquatic world. Ooh. Searching, it flickered across the dark, still ocean bed, lightly touching the rugged underwater mountains, the peaks of which rose up towards the dark rock skin that covered the surface of the planet and the vast sea. Ooh. Hang on, a rock skin covering the sea? I guess it's an- covered more the of a cave? Of the-
1: hmm? Yeah. yeah. Okay. It lingered in huge... Wait, and- hold on, hold on. If it's, a, if it's an aquatic creature... yeah then, you know, the, 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 the seabed is still rock.
0: Right. Right? Uh, no, but hmm. the, the peaks of which rose up towards the dark rock skin that covered the surface of the planet.
1: Oh, yes.
0: And the vast sea. So, I don't know. It's oh, a, it's interesting. A, it's a peculiar sentence. It lingered in huge, empty black caverns, rippling over dead reefs, fondling the fossilized bones and shells of long extinct entities, licking the languid
1: sandbanks and shoals, oh. restlessly
0: seeking some response, and, as we feared, finding none.
1: Its world had once pulsed, pulsed with teeming life, reverberated with the sounds of birth, struggle, love, war, and death. It had been home to a seemingly infinite number of species, from simple, minute organisms incapable of even rudimentary thought, to large, complex creatures with commensurately large, agile, and devious brains. Creatures that had vied with Ray for supremacy, or re—sorry, you said—had uh, vied with Reef for supremacy, challenged it for dominance. Now, its home was quiet and empty. Now Rhi alone remained. Rhee's world was dying, and Rhi knew why. Rhee's sun, source
0: of light and warmth, source of light itself, was approaching its own death. Massively bloated, it had become a supergiant. I can relate. Swelling. <laughs> what did you eat last night? No, we went to that restaurant. <laughs> I remember oh, it still, this. that was Wednesday, this is Sunday. Ah, oh, it was
1: a great steak.
0: <laughs> Massively bloated, it had become a supergiant, swelling to hundreds of times its original size. Soon it would
1: exhaust its nuclear core. That was Thursday for me. I can also relate.
0: Become increasingly unstable and explode. Go supernova. <laughs> so
1: far, so good. Technically, that's not how supernovas work, but all right. Re-, <laughs> Re was ambivalent about its fate. Re felt guilt. Indeed, it knew it deserved to die because of what it had brought about so long ago. Yet Re longed to be given the opportunity to live and somehow make amends. No entity, not even the strange gestalt that knew itself as Rhee, embraces death. Rhee's mind soared further afield, far beyond the sea,
0: mm-hmm. up through the thin crust of rock mm-hmm. that roofed the ocean. Okay, so it is a roof. Right, yeah. Beyond the gravitational pull of its planet, beyond the poor, thin atmosphere, beyond even the dead solar system it alone inhabited. Rhee's mind was open now to the constant susurrus of space, alive to the murmurs, murbles, chirrups, rants and cries of impossibly alien beings. Nimbly, re rode wave after wave of broadcast messages, rapidly sifting the endless information, discarding and ignoring what was of no use, the
1: trivial and the profound, the callow and the poignant alike, for what it thought, sought, hope. And when, against all odds, Rhee finally found it, elation quickened within, haltingly and uneasily re-embarked upon the unfamiliar ritual of communication with its life force, asking delicately, diplomatically, if what Rhee wanted was possible. The brusque, peremptory reply made it clear that it was. Salvation was possible. But there was a price. Rhee understood little of material
0: matters. What could Rhee possibly offer the godlike being that could, it said confidently, save them? Rhee's was a world with a little now but rock and water, and Rhee was unaware of its own very peculiar talents and abilities and what they could be valued at. Unaware that there was such a thing as a market for them. Hmm. Worth, negotiation and barter were concepts Re only dimly understood, yet Rhee knew that it would have to master them if Re was to survive.
1: Hopefully we will learn from Rigel. Well, probably. Yeah. You could do with a worse teacher. <laughs> ever careful, ever diplomatic, Re asked further questions of the being and stored away the abrupt answers. It appeared that these matters were not so difficult to understand after all. One entity wanted something, and that entity gave another entity something the other entity... "'Wanted in exchange.' "'Oh, getting complicated here. "'Ree wanted to leave its world. "'The being could facilitate that. "'But the being wanted something that Ree did not have. "'The trade could not take place.' "'Ree withdrew its mind and went back to the sterile "'and profound silence it had
0: inhabited for millennia, "'away from the tumult, chaos, and boisterous anarchy of space, "'to ponder what it had learned, to consider what it must do. "'This was a bitter thing for Ree, "'to be given hope and then to lose it.' Re brooded and waited.'
1: Ooh. Ooh. All right. Okay, oops. I've made a little mistake with my uh, sort of... I've, I, I made a I was wonder- of images. I was, oh. I was wondering what was going on, because like, there didn't seem yep. to be an
0: issue with you uh, not being able to read. Uh... So far, so good. Chapter one. Moya lay quietly in space, listening to the stars, the regular beat of the pulsars, the strange whispers of ancient giants, and the awful silence of black holes.
1: <sighs> she tried to ignore the problem, hoping that it would just go away. But it hadn't. For some time now she'd been aware that something wasn't right inside. But now great waves of pain were rolling through her, convulsing her, confusing her. She shuttled and gave in. She was seriously ill. Moya cut her main drive and simply drifted. The light of
0: distant suns reflecting from her skin-steel hull in an uh-huh. ever-changing kaleidoscope of colour. She didn't know what was wrong, and she was frightened. She had lived a very long time. Never established Moya's age. Okay. <laughs> what? All right, and
1: in all that time, nothing
0: had hurt her this badly. She cut even the weak thrust of her station keeping fields. She couldn't sustain it. Moya hoped that she if she just there. St- yeah. Moya hoped that if edit, she edit, just edit, Moya hoped that if she just stayed still for a while,
1: everything would settle down and she'd be able to continue. Then pain lanced through her flank, rolled along her nerve endings, and exploded in her brain. Something was wrong. Very, very wrong. Inside Moya, John Crichton hummed tunelessly as he flossed. The
0: dentic Zahn had given him felt and tasted disgustingly as they crawled over his palate, but he couldn't deny that
1: they did their job. I'm imagining him doing the dance. (laughs) Mm. No, doing the flossing dance. Oh. (laughs) Oh. The toothache... Standing there flossing. (laughs) That's an earth thing, guys.
0: The toothache he had been suffering from recently was at last beginning to calm down as the little creatures ingested
1: the infected flesh. Whoa, okay, handy. Yikes. Inside his mouth, the dentic shuddered and ceased moving. Crichton stopped humming, reached into his mouth and peeled the dentic from his lower palate. It was a shame that the dentics had to die, but consuming infection was what they were bred for. He deposited this, his ninth dead
0: dentic this week, into the biomatter recycler in his quarters, took a long gulp of water and gargled. He would have preferred a shot of decent malt whiskey, but anything would do. Anything to take away the taste of dead dentic.
1: (laughs) "'It was now nearly seven months since Crichton had first set foot aboard Moya. "'He found it difficult to believe that it was indeed barely half a year "'since the wormhole had opened in high Earth orbit "'and blasted him across time and space. "'Oh, time? Really? I don't Mm. think so.' To who knew what part of the universe? Well, strictly speaking, FCL travel is also time travel, so... That is
0: true. Uh, You're crossing beyond
1: the information
0: horizon. He missed his family and friends, but now he had new friends, and in place of his father, he had Moya. And he liked his new friends, liked them much more than he had once thought possible. Of course, he'd never admit it. After all, that would blow his cool completely. But there were times when he found himself actually having fun on this madcap ride through the galaxy, and he was learning too. He was a scientist, an astronaut and he had been presented with a tremendous adventure and a great opportunity. He had left the world of his birth, and he had encountered new life, and he was the first human to do it.
1: Okay, I'm just waiting for the next image to load. Hang on here just a second. I'll be with you. Uh, Here we go. Yep, got it, got it, got it. Crichton closed the zipper on his jumpsuit and pulled on his boots. They were handmade. They were handmade, crafted for durability and guaranteed for a lifetime, but the tread was already half gone. The boots were made for spaceflight, not walking, and certainly not for adventuring on the number of planets that he had visited over the past months. He knew that if he told his story back home on Earth, he
0: would be ranked alongside Marco Polo and Robert Falcon Scott. Although they were separated by centuries, he felt a deep affinity with such men, for the journeys and perils faced by those great explorers along the Silk Road and across the ice of the Antarctic, through bold adventures in their own time, were merely the first nervous steps on the journey he'd undertaken. Polo and Scott, had gone to the
1: ends of the earth. Crichton had stepped beyond it. If he was honest, Crichton had no problem with the image of himself as an adventurer. But the truth was that as an adventurer, he was more Robinson Crusoe than Christopher Columbus. And (laughs) good. Robinson Crusoe was a bit less of a sort of imperialist Well, there was that, yes. Well, (laughs) there May Friday. Yeah, Okay. (laughs) just a bit less, barely.
0: He had less people to inflict it on.
1: At least he wasn't Cook. Fair point. And it was very strange beach indeed that he had been washed up on upon on. Up on No, it's just up on. Okay. There may have been no Man Friday, oh there you go. But there was a strange and enigmatic priest, a fearsome warrior who had been framed for murder, an opportunistic thrill seeking thief, a deposed ruler of billions, and an undeniably attractive peacekeeper who had been exiled by her own people. And they were all at large in a galaxy none of them
0: could call home. Travelling in a self-aware organic spacecraft big enough to flatten Manhattan if
1: she chose to land on it. Okay. No mention of Pilot. Hmm. No. The universe regarded them as curios. The peacekeepers hunted them as criminals. Crichton now called them friends. Hmm, just... He took an extraordinary joy in the wonders
0: and terrors he had seen and lived through during these last seven months, but there were days when being the only human on a living starship the size of Manhattan could really suck. Today was one such day. He knew that if the Queen of Spain were to pay him a bounty for the discovery of new worlds, he'd be the richest man alive,
1: but he'd still have a toothache. (laughs) (laughs) Priorities. Crichton sighed as he cracked the seal on a new pod, extracted the incubating dentic and attached it carefully to the inside of his mouth clothing secure, beard dealt with, and toothache under control, if not actually cleared up. He left his bedroom and entered the chamber that he called his lounge. He looked around. The floor and walls were made of rubbery, skin-like material, threaded with veins and pulsing
0: with life. Mm. Skin steel gratings emerged from the floor and furniture grew from the walls. Moya had been bred for functionality, but not necessarily a human aesthetic. The floor pulsed, deep
1: blue and red, the healthy colours of oxygen transportation. Ooh. Crichton moved to his mantelpiece. We're reaching the end of the page. I'm going to need you to take over, yeah? You ready? Okay. Crichton moved to his mantelpiece. Well, the shelf Moya had grown when trying to fulfill his specifications... For the room. Yeah.
0: Having a mantelpiece in a living spaceship might have seemed a pretension on any other day, but not today. Crichton ran his fingers lightly across the shelf, picked up the framed photograph. Hi, Dad. His voice held a hint of sadness. The photograph came from his module, Farscape 1, the experimental vehicle that he'd been piloting when he tore through a wormhole his personal payload, something that he was very glad he had brought along. Now he was surprised at how foreign the plastic of the frame felt to his fingers. Too other world, too human.
1: He took a framed photo with him? Yeah, that seems weird. N- and not a like a better helm. Okay, well, yeah. whatever. And his father's face, so much like his own, the strong brow, the clear eyes and alert, inquisitive expression. It seemed unfamiliar now, the face almost of a stranger. How fast they fade, he thought to himself. How quickly we adapt. Feeling that confronting his sadness was the best way to banish it, Crichton took his mini-disc recorder from his pocket and checked the remaining recording time on the disc. I thought it was a tape. Yeah. Hmm. Mm. Product placement, I guess. 30 seconds, he sighed. There went the last 30 seconds of ZZ Top's afterburner. Oh.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Crichton finalised the disc, punched in his final chapter. His own voice filled the room. Hey, dad. Your favourite son here with another exciting instalment of Starman Jones. This week's episode is one where our hero lands on a war-torn planet and ends up leading the downtrodden rebels in a futile but heroic fight against the oppressive state. On the way, he learns about himself and comes out a better man. Crichton hit pause and sighed. How close had he come to erasing every entry he had ever made? How many times had he wondered at the futility of these
1: silly messages to a man he would in all likelihood never see again? Lacking an answer, he elected to listen to the rest of the entry. Get it out of his system, once and for all. His thumb shifted again, and he heard himself say, Dad, you know what? In many ways, space isn't that different from home. I've been here a few months, and guess what? Conflicts, war, class struggles, discrimination, the smuggling and slavery and drugs, all patrolled by a shoot-first, ask-questions-later in the galactic police force called Peacekeepers. The taped
0: voice went on. Anyway, I bet you can guess that I'm feeling a little down, low even. You know, I've been thinking about a gift, and, well, last month we visited the planet, Yuani Prime, horrible place. Mostly coal, black seas, no industrialization. Coal went out of fashion there a long time ago, but Moya needed to eat. Compressed carbon is a delicacy to her, so the crew let her feed on as much coal as she could handle, and then she can pack away. Still, what do you expect (laughs) from a living starship that's about the size of Manhattan? Anyway, I got to stretch my legs, explore the coast a bit. There was a pause. Crichton's voice grew with hushed, with grew hushed with excitement. Mm. I found a fossil. Dad, you got to see this thing. It's beautiful, perfectly preserved. Yeah. Perfectly preserved. Something like an ammonite, but with arms. I can still see hints of skin. The detail's incredible. I got it here in the ship. I had to leave it in the cargo bay. It's a bit big. Actually, it's six and a half meters wide. Took all <laughs> six of us to get it aboard. <laughs> The thing must weigh a quarter of a ton. Error nearly lost an arm. It must be a billion years old. Crichton paused, then heard himself wonder aloud. I wonder what race it evolved into, what heights they might have climbed, what goals they might have achieved. Where are they now? It's only now, only out here on the edge of infinity, that I'm really beginning to realize what we have back home. And I had, and I'll all I lost. Another pause. Dad, I guess we both knew you may never see this beautiful example of life from another world. I just wanted you to know that I was thinking of you and your birthday. Happy birthday, Dad.
1: Oh, You get the really long paragraphs, by That's, the way. Yeah, well... No, it's great. <laughs> that, was, that was captivating. How do you think he talked his friends into bringing aboard a gigantic fossil of a, from a planet that they don't care no about?
0: No idea. Maybe convincing that there could always be emergency carbon
1: for Moya? All right, yeah. yeah. Crichton clicked off the recorder. Pulling a small wallet from another pocket, he riffled through the stack of discs contained within rock, jazz, garage, hard house, his last link with earth. Music he might never hear again. Erasing these recordings was a sacrifice.
0: Talking to Dad was worth it. Oh. Selecting Springsteen's Born in the USA, Crichton loaded the disc and hit Format, then Record.
1: Hey Dad, your ever-loving blue-eyed son here, and this week our hero's got a toothache. That'll teach me to floss, right? They do in here with worms. Little skinny ones that stretch. And dentics eat the bacteria around your teeth and gums. Neat, huh? Remind me to tell you how to deal with constipation here someday. <laughs> oh, oh. oh, Crichton paused. Pink goo oozed from a fleshy tube onto a thin plate. Hey, Dad, got a dash. That knock on the door was room service. The champagne here's to die for. Crichton put away the recorder
0: and scooped up the first mouthful of breakfast. The pink goo tasted right, buttered waffles and coffee, but it was annoying that the temperature of each flavour was exactly the same, something he'd never gotten used to, and how he missed hash browns, crisp bacon and scrambled eggs.
1: Someone tapped on the skin-steel door to his quarters. Yeah, Aaron, that you? The very same. The answer was not strictly necessary. Aaron was the only member of Moya's crew who had ever thought to play the friendly neighbour which was odd considering the fact she spent 90% of most days either flaming mad or putting on a real good show for the natives. Crichton, welcoming the distraction,
0: left his breakfast and joined Aaron in the excess archery. I was just planning to take a turn around the block, he said. Keep it casual. Oh? Was that avoidance? And I, I wondered if you were... Um... Crichton ventured a grin. It didn't hurt too much. I was dressed like a million dollars and didn't care who knew it. Aaron looked quizzical. So do I. Yeah. Mickey Spillane, you need a translation? Uh, please. Crichton chuckled. Up, dressed, in rare and to roll. You need a translation? <laughs> no, that'll do,
1: lied Aaron. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: They set off along the spongy floor of Moya's port prime access artery, heading for the cargo hold. The astronaut couldn't feel the texture of the floor beneath his feet, but he knew what it was: bioorganic skin steel threaded with veins and pulsing with the flow of blood and oxygen to Moya's vital organs. Aaron strode along beside Crichton, dark eyes brooding, footprints fading from the skin steel floor behind them. To Crichton, Erin was a stormfront running before the wind, sidewinder emotions bursting out at every opportunity to explore her new life in exile. Passionate, intelligent, opinionated, yet somehow naive, somehow vulnerable. Hmm. A woman of extremes and opposites, at once compellingly attractive and insanely annoying. A soul Hmm. in conflict with her background and life experience, trying to make sense of a universe that, for her, since being deemed irreversibly contaminated by her peacekeeper captain, surely must seem to have gone mad.
1: I haven't seen you around the hood for a while. Where you been hanging? Aaron tossed her thick black hair. Oh, God. Working. I'm a bit... No no disrespect to Andrew Dyson, but mm. I'm uh, a da- Diamond, but I'm honestly a bit worried to discover that her hair is going to cascade pretty soon. Oh,
0: dear. <laughs> Let's hope not.
1: Or, or that she's going to buxomely boobly as tit as down as the stairs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <No>. <laughs>
0: as long as there will no be, be no boobly titting, that'll...
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. Look at, I mean, look at this. Uh, uh, yet somehow naive, somehow vulnerable. Yeah. That's, that's a born sexy yesterday, Troll. Oof. No, thank you. Okay, well. Uh, we're not all just passengers here. No, that's here. my line. You okay, have, yeah, you're, okay yeah. no, great. I get, I get this fantastic line. <laughs> yeah. We're not all just passengers here. Yeah. I know there's more. I was oh, just come cheating. on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting that. I just thought we might have, you know, hung out for a while. That's all. Crichton, you're a rockhopper. Aaron's voice was clipped, hard-edged. You weren't born in space. You can't possibly understand what it's like to live out here, beyond the confines and restrictions of a single world. It gives you a different perspective. Crichton shook his head. It he gives me the willies. <laughs> come on, come on. Yeah. She gives me yeah. the woody. She gives you the willies. <laughs> Aaron stopped in her tracks. Like her speech, her movements were often abrupt. ''Why is it that whenever we have an opportunity to talk, you have to make several sexual
0: references?'' ''What?'' Crichton spun to face her. The heel of his space boot dug a shallow
1: gully in the floor, Eww. which seemed to fill almost magically. ''Willies,'' Aaron said with vague distaste. ''Isn't that a reference to, you know, human reproductive, you know... The, Aaron, this isn't Aaron!'' Uh, Crichton
0: sighed, rubbed a hand through his hair and shook his head. I thought these bugs could handle contextual references. They can, but they're not infallible, and they've never had to deal with a human before. Oh, yeah? And what's so different about us? We're just folk. We have brains, don't we? You know, that lumpy
1: bit at the top of your central nervous system. Humans. Brains. (laughs) Aaron weighed the thought carefully. A matter for conjecture. Crichton let out an irritated breath. She always did this to him. You'd have to. You'd have thought he'd have learned by now. Aaron, I'll tell you what. You keep your notions of humans to yourself, and I'll go back to scratching pictures on a cave with burnt sticks. That suit ya. If we ever find a planet with caves,
0: Aaron's lips barely moved, the perfect deadpan. Whatever. Crichton was wearying of the conversation. And sticks. Yes. Go away. And sticks. Aaron smiled, a sly expression that crept almost unnoticed across her face. And an atmosphere capable of supporting combustion and geological processes that support the production of sulfur for a catalyst, and Aaron strode along. Yeah, this oh, one. Oh, sorry. I've sorry. This uh, one. Sorry. No. No,
1: no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you don't. What? Okay. What? What you are you saying? Okay. Oh no, I'm on the same page. I have two pictures of the same page. I'm sorry. Ah, I was going to say yeah. Man, some days you're real hard work. You know that? This is some some sort of '90s sitcom sexism. It is a
0: bit. Yeah. Really. Aaron affected disinterest as they moved along the corridor. She had never been one to worry what others thought of her. Direct, straightforward, determined. These traits had been coded into her at birth, the perfect peacekeeper mix. How her birth fellow PKs must have puzzled when Crace deemed her uh, irreversibly contaminated because of her contact with Crichton, an alien. Within moments her life as she knew it was over.
1: Her birth fellow PKs. Interesting combination of words there. And so she had lost everything. Her ship, her status, her identity. An exile now, wandering the trackless gulf between the stars she had once called home in order to provide more exposition for a a series that we actually do know, but I I still appreciate it. If only they knew the truth about Krace and his obsession with Crichton.
0: A curious mixture, this human, who was often so difficult to understand. Crichton.
1: Fascinating symbol of otherness. Aaron studied the human closely. His face was set in angry lines, eyes narrowed as he moved, breath coming faster and shallower than normal. Aaron nodded, assembling the evidence. Tooth still troubling you? Crichton rubbed a finger along his lower jaw and winced. Good guess. See what you get if you
0: don't dentic reg- regularly. <laughs> Jeez, Aaron, those dentics may feed off everything from gangrene to the common cold, but to be honest... Crichton punctuated his words with a heartfelt shudder. I'd rather floss with Rigel's nasal hairs.
1: (laughs) Duh. Aaron frowned in disgust, as did Khaki, several years (laughs) after the publication of this book. Really? Hell no. But you know what I mean. You mean you want a, what do you call it? A tote bruce? A plastic (laughs) stick with abrasive hairs that can actually cause more damage than they prevent? Eyes closed, lost in blissful
0: memories, Crichton replied. man had nylon bristles and a rotating head and rechargeable batteries. His expression became dreamy. The Formula One of oral
1: hygiene. <laughs> Aaron's expression of disgust deepened. You put an electrical device in your mouth? Oh, yeah. Aaron sighed. Well, it's your choice, I suppose. Not to dentic, I mean. But you should really take more care of yourself, you know that, don't you? Personal hygiene can be of paramount importance to outworlders, and not just because of the smell. Space is full of radiation. Biological mutations happen all the time. And the nearest
0: Colgate plague defender is several million parsecs away. Uh, plaque defender. Sorry, plaque defender. You're right. It would be very very impressive if Colgate branched out into. It would be great. They would if they could, I'd say. i say. But, you know. Crichton surrendered to the pain long enough to whimper, at least.
1: By now, Crichton and Aaron had traversed the main artery ugh, and turned into a curving side branch. The walls here were a deeper blue. 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 I don't know whether this person has seen...
0: No, it doesn't seem like it's... the inside. Like it's always goldish-brown, mostly. I wonder also, if they I were...
1: never really noticed that the deck was flexible and stuff Something. It's it's not. It's no. a it's a it's a concrete floor with a with a cool paint job. I wonder if maybe they were watching Lex by mistake, Ooh. by accident? Oops. Mm. Well. The walls were a deeper blue. Oh, or it may have been a colourblind person. They may not, might just not know. Who knows? A deeper blue, threaded with pulsing veins and well oxygenated clumps of lumos. Lumos, interesting. Which reacted to their presence by brightening as they approached and dimming as they passed. Uh I think it's Aaron. Oh, yes, okay. Yeah. Sorry, I have to, like, figure out who's saying this to uh, get the words get <laughs> yeah, no, right. no, I get you. You're still
0: planning to, what was it you said, take a turn around the block?
1: Not likely. The way I feel at the moment, I'd probably wind up doing the sidewalk shuffle with an asteroid. Erin shook her head.
0: The wor- words were familiar, but the meaning, as usual, eluded her.
1: I'll probably just spring the to- toolbox, have me a lit- Told Grease Monkey
0: Mojo... There you go. ...try to take my mind off, you know. Crichton touched the tip of one finger tenderly to his jaw. Grease Monkey Mojo? Sure, you know. Drain the sump,
1: polish the pistons. <laughs> okay, is you, oh, yeah. <laughs> the light suddenly dawned for Aaron. You mean service the engine of your module? <laughs> yeah, you got it. <laughs> the cargo hold brightened as a valve unpinched to allow them entry. Lumo weed, growing from the vaulted chamber roof, began to crawl towards them, attracted to their body heat, converting the energy into visible light. The module was parked
0: at the base of a fueling route, battered but unbowed. Loosely based on a space shuttle design, it was sleeker and smaller, with disproportionately large engine housings. It had been these highly experimental engines that had cracked open a wormhole in Earth orbit and blasted Crichton halfway across the universe.
1: I'm not entirely sure that's like... Yes, maybe they've never actually seen... The
0: series or the, the, the inside of Moya. It seems like weed. a bit odd, yeah.
1: I mean, it's just only got the one engine housing. Right, it? but yeah. it's
0: also not the engines who created the wormhole.
1: No, Ish, yes. Yeah. Exactly, I mean, yeah. Okay, well, okay. Crichton ran a finger among... Along one of the many scars in the module's ceramic composite hull That's probably true Mm. The scar stopped short at one of three oval system upgrade modules Grafted seamlessly onto the bow Crichton placed his palm flat against the scar Careful to touch only the original The part that had been built on earth Oh, his lips curled into a half-smile Dad running
0: his good luck wash leather across the pilot's canopy, himself sneaking up with the pressure hose. The grin on Dad's face, the granddaddy of all water fights out here on the steaming concrete under the broiling sun. A way to forget. A way to wash away the pain of separation, of loss, even if only for a few moments.
1: Oh, I'm really on board now. Ran every red light down memory lane. Crichton's depressed whisper echoed something his father had once said. He glanced sideways at Aaron. Dire Straits, he added by way of clarifying the lyric. Oh. Aaron followed Crichton's fingers along the scar in the hull. You were in trouble? <laughs> a snort of laughter pushed aside the, the memories. Uh, a covers band. Dire Straits are not the bloody covers band. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, band? What from? And why would it need covering? <laughs> See, it's real ups and downs whether we're on board with uh, with Andrew Diamond or not. Yeah. Not a band. Talk about being divided by a common language. You know, rock baby. I'm on my MTV. Crichton mimed a possible air guitar solo. MTV? Why would you want a modular
0: terraforming oh, vehicle? God. There are no rocks on Maya. Air, water, and accommodation are free.
1: Handy that they have like the same letters out there. Yes. Crichton grinned, then winced and cupped his face with a hand. Man, it hurts when I laugh. He undogged Farscape's canopy. Undogged? What's dogging? Hmm. Well. No, not that. (laughs) (laughs) Undogged Farscape Canopy and reached behind the pilot's seat to a stowage locker. The toolbox was stuffed, scuffed plastic covered with passport stickers. Oh, I like that. Rome, Paris, Tokyo, Olympus. Extracting the toolbox, he entered a code sequence into the dash comp. The three upgrade modules unpinched with nicely harmonized nasal wheeze. You're going to modify a custom-grown Starflight Systems
0: upgrade module with... Aaron regarded the open toolbox disdainfully. What have you got in
1: there anyway? Crichton shrugged. Some doodads I picked up on my travels. Never know when you might need to tweak a widget here or a grommet there. He looked up. Aaron was wearing her impatient face again. You You never go hot rod in. Aaron waited for an
0: explanation. Guess not. Crichton weighed up the tools and made a selection. Oh, uh, so is the pain from your tooth really bad? Good segue, Crichton deadpanned <laughs> as he levered himself into the hole and stuck his head and shoulders into the upgrade module. And before you ask, that's a musical bridge. And since you asked, yeah, the pain's, well, it's a pain. Sharp or dull? Both, his reply was muffled. Sensitive? Mm, temperature and pressure. I'm on a tepid soup diet. <laughs> Crichton emerged from the module long <laughs> enough to grab a new tool from the kit. Why so interested? I'm only trying to help. I think it's an abscess. His voice became muffled again with a partially obscured by banging noises. The the right side of my face feels like it's on fire. My ear feels like it's full of goo. I keep wanting to grind my teeth and when I do... Great book this. Loving it, loving it, loving
1: it. Did you see Zan? Sure. And? She gave me a bigger (laughs) denny. He's just been using it wrong, it's the problem.
0: Good. Did you use it? Sure. Well, Aaron could see if Crichton's body shuddered at the memory. And? It died. It died? Well, I mean, it stopped, you know, wriggling around in there. Tasted foul and it smelled... I thought, are
1: they supposed to do that? Mm, I've never needed to use one. Oh? But I've heard they could grow to a great age if properly fed. Reusable dentics, huh? Well, this
0: one took one gander at my lower right six molar and kicked the bucket.
1: Kicked the bucket?
0: Gave up the ghost, (laughs) threw in the towel, you know, snuffed it. Guess my infection wasn't up to its fussy high standards or something. Say, Aaron, are you blocking the light? No. Crichton popped his head out of the module. Is it my imagination or is it getting dim in here? He glanced around. Lumo weed clustered overhead, spreading itself across the fueling root system main trunk.
1: Root. Snuggling
0: close in a useful but disconcertingly friendly way.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's cute. Aaron followed his gaze. Maybe it is a little she broke off as the Luma weed suddenly emitted a burst of brilliant white light, followed immediately by darkness. Oh jeez. <laughs> Crichton rubbed coloured blobs from his stunned eyes. More pain, thank you, Lord. Aaron's eyes narrowed as she cast her gaze around them. The vaulted roof flickered with pulses of sickly Light from the Luma weed. Erin tensed. Something was very wrong. Sorry, I've lost my place. Which page number? That's twenty. On 20 already. Getting there, getting there. There we go. Crichton opened his mouth to speak, but... I did not scan this very well, and the right side sort of curves off. Crichton opened his mouth no, to... No, I'm just going to need oh. you to finish, like, the the last <laughs> okay. word of every... For how many si- sentences? Page 20, bud. All, all of it. Okay. Right. Crichton opened his mouth to speak, but... Without warning, the floor shuddered, and both sebation... And... Human fought for balance. <laughs> Crichton's teeth clicked... Together... Painfully, achingly bright blasts of light came from the previously dark Lumos. Moya heaved again. more violently. Crichton was thrown to the floor. What the frill? <laughs> oh, good, more for me. <laughs> He reached out to grasp the hand Aaron extended ex- towards him. The hand was warm, the skin dry, the pressure from her fingers strong. But Crichton only had a second to register this before he was pulled roughly back to his feet. Aaron looked around. She seemed almost scared. scared. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now you can read him. <laughs> Something must be wrong with Moya, she said. Pilot came in over the comms. Moya is unwell. I have detected the sight. Oh, Sorry. Moya is unwell. I have detected the site of primary infection. The hull shook again.
0: Crichton struggled to keep his balance. Great timing, pilot. Crichton began to retrieve the tools that he dropped when he'd fallen. I was just looking forward to a good tinker.
1: (laughs) Timing is regrettable. Moya is really quite Uh unwell, and she is frightened. I have detected further sites of secondary infection. Something serious? I regret to inform you the danger is grave. The infection is spreading quickly. Crichton and Aaron headed for the bridge. Moya's bridge was a wide, semicircular chamber with a vaulted roof supported by bone-like growths. Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't see that it continued on the same... What's that? Oh. Skin... Skin... skin. skin ste- okay, yeah. it'll be more Sorry. of that. Skin steel coated all exposed surfaces, pulsing as Moya breathed air into the chamber for the crew to breathe. Veins threaded the walls and floor, loom moss glowed in healthy clumps on the walls and ceiling, brightening to chamber further in response to each new occupant. To Crichton, being inside the bridge was like being in an underwater cave, a coral
0: cave. Sunlight, wow. rainbow hued fish fluttering past your mask, the soft sound of air pulsing in your regulator, constant reminders of just how alive this starship they knew
1: as Moya really was. And now she was ill. What if she died? Who would make the air, their food and water? How would they live? How would they get back to Earth? Crichton told himself not to overreact. After all, how serious could it be? The access... <laughs> it's only Farscape. The access valve to the bridge pinched shut behind them with a breathy wheeze. Everyone else was already there. Zan, Dargo, Chiana, Rigel. Yeah, I really suspect that uh, Andrew Diamond hasn't read,
0: because, like... No, it doesn't really do irises. They just have no, doors in there, sliding yes, doors or s- rotating doors. Slide but not over. M- yeah, oh well. It's not semicircular either. Okay, yeah. Ah, oh, Crichton and Aaron, good. We've been waiting. Rigel's voice was imperious. Yes. After all, he was, as he never let anyone forget, Rigel the Sixteenth's domino of, of 600 billion, 600 billion subjects. subjects. Not quite the embodiment of ultimate leadership. Crichton shot the small Haineri in a glance. With bulgy eyes and a glum look usually etched on his leathery face, he resembled a large frog with a thyroid disorder. (laughs) What Rigel lacked in height, he made up for an ego. Now his leathery body quivered in his throne sled, which he maintained Mm -hmm. at a height just slightly above Crichton's eye level. Very important when you were only a shade over two feet tall. (laughs) Crichton studied Rigel. It was hard to read the
1: emotion on the face of such a being. But something didn't feel right. A movement caused Crichton to turn. Chia, it's 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 going to be. I'm I'm going to do my best, but it's the same issue on, oh. on this page as well. Chiana had moved close. Her feet silent on the skin steel floor. floor. I got it. Yep. White hair covered her pixie face. Pixie face. Uh, Andrew Diamond almond shaped eyes, high cheeks, soft pouting lips. Oh, something's going to cascade. Yeah. I just know it. Beautiful, yes, but also a thief. A seductress, a con artist, an adrenaline junkie with bad in her blood and mischief on her mind. Oh, I like that now. Mm. Crichton was mindful of Chiana. Sensuality and... Evil. Evil in the same perfect body,
0: the devil's gift. Chiana lifted a hand to Crichton's shoulder, her body orbiting his precise dagger-sharp movements. So nice to see you, John. The voice was silk, but silk could strangle. With an effort, (laughs) Crichton pulled himself from her touch and looked at the rest of the crew. Pa'auzotazan, her smooth blue face decorated with exotic markings, as befitting one evolved from vegetable rather than animal stock. (laughs) And (laughs) and Cardargo, whose bear-like presence, infrequent speech, and obsession with weapons marked him as pure animal, yet whose soul was the most sensitive of them all.
1: Oh, And lastly, former peacekeeper Officer Erin Sun, a woman who wore fury like a cloak, kept it wrapped close at all times, her own personal shield. How attractive would she be if she ever let that cloak drop even for a second? Andrew Diamond, catch yourself on. Crichton had an inkling of its answer. While Crichton was attempting
0: to size up the situation, Erin had been speaking quietly with Zahn. Now she turned to look at him, silent eyes flashing with anger. The transformation came as a complete surprise to Crichton and he frowned. What does she know that I don't? He racked his brain for some clue. All either of them knew for sure was that Moya was ill, and yet Aaron now seemed to know something he didn't. Pilot said Moya wasn't well. What's wrong with her? No one answered. Mm. Crichton's frown deepened. It wasn't just Aaron. Everyone was staring at him. Crichton shook his head wearily. You know, when I was a kid and I did something wrong, Dad would call me into his study. He wouldn't say anything. He'd just look at me for a while. Wait for me to speak first. Wait to see if I could figure out what I'd done wrong before dishing
1: out the medicine. The only response was accusing looks, though Chiana's smile deepened with anticipation. Oh, why do I get the feeling I've been summoned here for a spanking? <laughs> now I see why she's smiling. Crichton, how could you do something so stupid? Aaron's voice was as hard as her expression. Tell you what, Aaron. You tell me
0: what you think I did, and I'll tell you if I did it. Fair. You put your dead dentics into the recyclers, she shouted. Crichton shrugged. So, they died. I threw them away. We talked
1: about this already. You didn't tell me you recycled them. And there's a problem with that? Yes, John, Zan said calmly. We have a problem when Moya converts recycled biomass into food, yes. It's been a while since I've heard Zahn. I sort of forgot what she sounds like. Crichton's face flushed. She eats recycled waste? Darko growled. Moya is a living ship.
0: You thought otherwise? Well, you know, I've never been on a living starship before. I mean, I thought, I don't know, maybe she photosynthesized or something? He threw up his hands in exasperation. I mean, how the hell was I supposed to know?
1: Aaron's voice was scornful. We didn't know. For crying out loud, it's just a toothache. Exactly. Zahn was still calm. A human in... No, I can't do it. A human infection. An infection that Moya could not detect and against which she has no defence, Aaron added angrily. And that was a different paragraph. I'm sorry. Yep. Pilot explained. For
0: Moya, the disease pathology takes the form of what you would call necrotizing fastasis.
1: Yikes. Deadly, I'm afraid. Fasciitis, I think fasciitis. it's called. That's yeah. the, the fleshy... Yes. Congratulations, Crichton. Dargo snarled coldly. This could prove fatal to Moya and to all of us as well. As if to prove his point, the floor convulsed. It wasn't hard to understand that
0: Moya was suffering. Her pain hovered over the bridge like ancient ghosts, unable to rest. Whoa. Oh, and that was chapter one yeah. of
1: Dark Side of the Sun. Whoa. Okay, so he had a toothache that infected Moya. I guess we've Through actually... Through dead dentics, yeah. We've actually wound up finding out more, I guess, about the toilet situation on Moya than oh, we're strictly legally allowed to, to talk know. talk about, yes. Fortunately, I think this book counts as, uh, as as non-canon. I would think so. Yes, I'd be really interested to know about the production. I mean, I, I I I hope we haven't been mean to the writer. Like aside from that's how you know certain writers wrote female characters in certain fine science yep, fiction properties. Very true. At for a very long time, and uh, uh, hopefully they can be made to stop at some point eventually. But I, I really wonder, like, how much was he given to, to go on to write this book? Like, I assume he was given some sort of information sheet, you know, a brief description of characters and stuff like that. But he made up, like, the Lumos and the Luma weed. And the f- refueling route. Oh, I did like that. It was, uh, yeah, you, you can see it, like, we've got a little glimpse of Chapter 2, where they, let me see, they talk about the uh, view tank. Yeah, Aaron studied the Free Trader Fleet modeled spectacularly in Moyer's Bridges View Tank. Yeah,
0: which also it's not a view it's not a tank, really. Yeah, we maybe have, it is. Maybe yeah. it
1: is like a a window into a into a like they have a, a giant sort of 3D holographic tank mm-hmm. on the other side of the window, and that's where they project sort of 3D models of is what's it, happening but then outside. What about
0: oh. uh, what about uh, Pilot's clamshell? No, yeah, that's...
1: true. Yeah. So But like I kind of like the idea that he, he, just, he just got some basics and, like a writer does, yeah, made up like, like the rest. It's a, it's a living ship. Uh, All right. Organic, what a, yeah. What do living things look like? Yes. Well, they got meat in them, I, I mean, suppose. It, it, to me, it
0: sounds a little bit more like uh, the ship from Tin Man in uh, that Star Trek episode.
1: Oh yes. Gum to Yes.
0: Um Oh yeah,
1: with a with a with a beta I know what you're talking about. Right. That was brilliant. That was a very good episode, but uh, yeah. <laughs> and that did have like furniture coming out of the ground.
0: Right. Uh that sounds like it sounds a little bit more
1: like he was tri- describing that than he was describing Moya. I wonder if maybe there was, like, an early version of the show Bible before, like, the sets were designed. Possible. And that's what he was given. Well, let's see. When was this published? 2001. Okay. But I mean, it might have been, like... Right, yeah. I mean, and books Kiana are, book- had joined, so it was definitely...
0: Right, that's a good point, yeah. Copyright 2000, Jim Henson Company, but that's just to overwrite the Running Cup night. First tour edition, September 2001, yes. So it must have been, like, written after episode 15. So that makes sense. yeah. yeah.
1: Huh. I, I wonder if we can find out i'd be i'd be intrigued and As if anybody, if anybody knows anything about this book if you've read it please let us know oh yeah i'd like to hear your thoughts on it how many pages do you get in before something cascades over, <laughs> over a woman's shoulder?
0: <laughs> I mean, there's only one person who could cascade. I mean, that's Aaron. She's the only one who's got hair that's long enough. And Dargo. I mean, maybe, maybe yeah, Dargo-type cascades. Okay, yes, no, how... then I'm on board.
1: <laughs> 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 Thank you so much, Hoofbird. Uh, this was a fantastic gift. We'll be back next week with more Farscape. And after that, we'll be back with more Tales from the Uncharted Territories.
0: Thank you for joining. I'm Kay.
1: I'm khaki, We so still fast. don't have a, don't, like a scripted We, don't, we, we outro, don't ha- do not we? No, we don't. We don't. Should we just pick a random button on here? Yeah, just push it. To stop it. There you go. Yeah, that'll do. Bye. 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 Bye.
0: Bye. <laughs>